was supposed to preach a couple of weeks ago, and then I got bumped because I wasn't good enough. So here I am today with a, with a different topic than what I initially had, but I'm hoping God's given me something that's going to make sense for all of you. Um, we're starting a new series this week called The Apprentices of Jesus, and it's a four-week series, and I'm the one that's going to have to start it off for you, so hopefully I can start it off well and keep rolling along and it'll be good. I'm looking around the audience today and my first section might bomb a little bit simply because the certain people that I was hoping were going to be here today are at Pathfinder Camp and away. So, but bear with me, but before we get started, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you'd send your Holy Spirit to, to be in this building, to surround this building, but more importantly, Lord, to speak through me, that the words I say today aren't my words, but your words, that the words that come from me today uh, a message for someone here, and that it's not my glory but yours. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and the blessings, and we ask that you'd be with us all today. In your name, amen. All right, this is the audience participation part, and this is where it might bomb. But I know I've been pointed, pointed, a few people have been pointed out to me, so I will target you if you don't put your hands up. But who here in the audience has ever been an apprentice? Is an apprentice, has ever been an apprentice? No joke, come on. Right up, people need to see, be proud. Young Mr. Goltz, I didn't realise, I knew your brother was, but now you've been targeted, good. Carlos, what were your apprentices as? Aeroplane mechanic, yep, awesome. Gentleman at the back here? Electrician, gotta love a sparky. Carpenter, yep, anyone else? Hairdressing. Now, Shay Bailey's hiding, isn't she? There she is. What, Shay, were you ever an apprentice? Yeah? No? No? Yeah, yeah, okay. Apprentice, hairdresser. Anyone else? No. So I, was ex I asked my oldest boy, Liam, to come today because he's a carpenter. Little turd pulled out on me at the last minute. So, so now I have to ask somebody else. Who would like to just give me just a really brief couple of seconds on what it means to be an apprentice? Number five. Would you? Yeah? Good on you, Nick. Um, so basically... You just have to be there for all the qualifiers. Yep. You have to do what they and get anything they need. Yep. Do as you're told. Yeah. yeah. All the dirty jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, could I ask you, being an older gentleman, more mature, what did an apprentice mean to you when you were an apprentice? Last week or something? <laughs> Last week, it was about 50, 60, 70 years ago. Um, Going, yeah, it's going. We can hear. Um, well, it was a pretty tough game because you had to do as the tradesman said, and if you went yep. against him, he'd belt you over there. <laughs> it was a lot harder than days. Yep. You just did as you told, but you learned a lot. Though. You learned a lot. You learned that if you did it yeah. right, you had no trouble. Awesome. That's excellent. Thank you very much for sharing, guys. The common theme there is doing as you're told. Do you get belted over the head much? No, not really. Not really. They've kind of changed a little bit, haven't they? I think the law stops them doing that now. I don't know. It's a bit boring, isn't it? I think it was more fun getting belted. They'd soon learn to do as they were told. When I was looking at this, I sort of thought, okay, I always like to get the dictionary definition of what I'm talking about because, you know, a bit anal retentive that way. And so I looked it up. And the, the modern definition of an apprentice is a person learning a trade from a skilled employer, having agreed to work for a fixed period at low wages. Low wages, isn't it, mate? Yeah, you get, it's a pretty hard slog when you get started. You're locked in for three, four years, and you don't get paid an awful lot. And I'm like, okay, anyone that's been an apprentice can relate to that. 
It's a lot of hard slog, but I thought, no, there's a better definition. So I went and looked at what's the traditional definition from way back in the Middle Ages when apprentices and that apprenticeship sort of started to be more formalised. And the traditional definition was to bind to or to place with an employer, a master craftsman or the like for instruction in trade. Now, I love that word to bind because it really signifies a, a tight relationship. Now, I don't know if Nick's best mates with his boss now or, you know, the gentleman at the back was good friends. Does that, like, he was good friends with his boss and like he got knocked around a bit back in the old days. But that traditional definition really talks about this to bind together. It's more of a, a really strong relationship. And so when we start looking back at what apprentices were like way back in the day, right back in the very beginning, the need for apprenticeships came about because there was these master craftsmen. People who were experts in a trade, experts in a field of some sort of skill. And these guys realised that if they didn't train somebody else, didn't train the next generation, all those skills, those abilities, the stuff that they had worked their whole life developing would be lost and be lost for all time. So they actually decided that they needed to get someone to learn from and that's where apprenticeships started. And back in those times, apprentices really were bound to their employer. It wasn't like Nick just rocks up, gets his paycheck, goes home. The master craftsman would actually go out into the village, the town, and he'd look for young people who he felt had the right aptitude, the right skills, the right physicality, the right ability to undertake his trade. And then he'd go to the parents of that young person, and we're talking young person, we're talking anywhere from sort of six years up to about 12 years of age, and he'd go to their parents, he'd make a deal with the parents. And that child then just wouldn't work for that guy. That child would then go and live in the master craftsman's house. The master craftsman was responsible for his food, his clothing, everything, his education, his trade, his learning. He was bound to that master craftsman. Very different to what it is today. Hey, Nick, can you imagine living with your boss all the time? That wouldn't be good, would it? No. So it became this really significant relationship. Modern days now, we don't really have that sort of significant relationship but there's still a bond that's made between the master craftsman and the apprentice. There's a bond there of really mutual respect for the learning, the skills you get, the long-term career path that you may have. So when we start looking at all that trade stuff and what that has to do with Jesus, we go back and start looking through Scripture and you look at some of the the titles Jesus was given. And one of the, my favourite titles has always been that of rabbi. And when you start trying to, you know, span out what, what, what is a rabbi, it's not a rabbit, you know, it's not a multiple rabbits, a rabbi. It's a bit different to that. So when we translate it out, it translates out into to teacher or master. Not master as in boss or, you know, slave owner, but it was master as in a master of teaching Judaism. They were the distinguished teachers, the doctors of the law, the people that really knew everything about being a Jew, and it was, they were called a rabbi, a teacher. So when we start looking at Jesus as the master teacher, he's much like a master craftsman. He's the expert in his field. He knows everything about his field. He has it all there ready to go. And like any other master craftsman in, the, in a trade, Jesus knew that he needed to find people to pass on those skills to. He needed to find people to train, people to educate, people who could carry on 
his ministry after he was gone. He didn't want his ministry to be lost to time. He needed to find apprentices. So now, Nick, I'm just going to have to keep picking on you, mate. Sorry, Liam's not here. He was going to be my target. So it's you now. Did you know anything when you started? Not really. And that's typical, isn't it? The whole idea of apprenticeship is you don't really know anything. You've got no real skills. You might have a bit of muscle and a little bit of a knowledge, but you don't really know what you're doing. You've got no ability, but were you willing to learn? That's the main thing. They're willing to learn. When my young fellow Liam started his apprenticeship, he um, started with one employer. He did about, oh, I think it was about 18 months with that employer. Um, it was a, the, the company, he didn't do as much true carpentry as he would have liked, but he was, he was learning and he was developing. And unfortunately, that employer died in a plane crash about a year and a half into his apprenticeship, and the company folded and, and Liam lost his job. So he had a couple of months there where he was unemployed. And he kept saying to me, Dad, I, I don't know. I really don't know if, if carpentry is right for me. And he goes, I don't even know if I really like carpentry. And he was really lost in this two-month period. He didn't know what to do. Anyway, a mate of his said, oh, look, I've, I've got some labouring work on a, on a site. Are you interested? You know, a bit of cash. And he goes, oh, okay, yep. So Liam did a, a week of work, just labouring, nothing skilled, but I was on a building site. And he's working away. I think it was about the, the Tuesday or the Wednesday. A uh, qualified tradie called Ian comes up and he's just chatting to Liam and watching Liam work. And he basically sort of, after a little while, you know, Liam shared his story with him. Ian liked what he saw. He saw a young man with a good attitude, a good work ethic, and someone that was committed to doing and had a heart for the job. So he chatted to Liam for a little bit and eventually he gave Liam the opportunity to continue his apprenticeship. He saw something in Liam that Liam didn't even see in himself. He saw a young bloke with compassion and commitment to doing what he was doing. He saw a young man with potential. This is how Jesus sees his disciples. He doesn't go looking for someone who's super skilled or super qualified. He looks for people with potential, people who are willing to go on a journey with him, willing to be his apprentice. Back in the day, Jesus was like any other good tradie. He went out looking. Went out looking for apprentices. And like I said, he didn't look for those people that had skills and abilities already. He just wanted people who were willing and open to learning, letting him lead the way. It's funny, when Jesus called his disciples, he, uh, he didn't go into the synagogues. He didn't go into the temples. He didn't go into the schools to find people. He went looking for those that he knew had a heart had a heart to see his kingdom come and for the return of the Messiah. He didn't look for people who thought they knew it all, who already had it all together, thought they were important. No, he just sought out those who had a heart for him. It's funny, when we stop and look at the actual disciples that Jesus called, it becomes apparent very quickly not a single one of them was someone who we would think would be suitable for ministry, suitable to, to learn his trade and to carry it on. You look at guys like Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, hated by his fellow Jews, considered a traitor even to the Jewish people, absolutely despised by his own family. You look at blokes like James, John, Simon, Andrew, fishermen, rough, tough, physically capable blokes, but they wouldn't be great speakers, they wouldn't be great pastors, know how to fix your net and catch you some fish, 
probably talk rough down the pub after work, but they weren't really preachers. He called another Simon, more commonly known as Simon the Zealot. I don't know what zealots were, but zealots were this like fanatical, hardcore, extremist, left-wing, right-wing group within Judaism. They were so extreme that they were happy to use violence on the Romans and on their fellow Jews if they didn't believe the same things that they believed. Simon would have been a scary dude, not a touchy-feely, cuddly kind of bloke. So we can see here really quickly that Jesus wasn't calling people that we would consider appropriate for the role. They weren't ready and equipped. They weren't skilled. They weren't ministers or pastors or teachers. Quite the opposite. When we look at them, they look like a ragtag bunch of misfits. It always reminds you of that war movie. Was it Misfits or something? They had this bunch of useless people. They all useless soldiers on their own, but when they all got together, they made a really good team. That's kind of what Jesus has. The thing about it is that Jesus saw something in each and every one of them. He didn't really care that they weren't suitable for ministry. He didn't really care that they weren't ready. He just cared that they had the right heart, the right attitude, that they were prepared and willing to follow him and to learn from him. He didn't care that some of them might have had more education than others. He didn't care that some were rough and tough and a bit uncouth. He didn't care where they came from, just that they had a heart for his mission and they had a heart for ministry and they wanted to see the coming of the Messiah. So basically what Jesus has got is 12 apprentices or disciples, much the same. Four, sorry, four, 12 blokes, no idea. 12 blokes he's going to take on a journey to learning how to do his trade. It was funny the disciples didn't realise it, but that definition at the beginning where it said they agreed to a fixed term for low wages, disciples didn't realise it at first, but they agreed to a fixed term of three years and they didn't get paid squat. So they really were doing an apprenticeship with Jesus. He spent three years ministering to them, teaching them, sharing all his skills and his knowledge. They were undergoing an apprenticeship. He worked with them on their strengths, making them stronger, making them more capable. He looked at their weaknesses he helped them overcome them. He showed them example after example of what it meant to be mission, doing mission, what it meant to be caring for others, what it meant to be sharing the gospel. He equipped them for ministry. He equipped them to be tradesmen. Along the way, the disciples made heaps of mistakes, like all of us. They had moments when they, they doubted themselves. They doubted Jesus' choice of them. They didn't feel adequate. They struggled with fear and uncertainty. But they continued in their apprenticeship with Jesus. They kept learning. They kept growing. It's funny, it kind of reminded me when I was doing this that when I first joined the police service. I'd seen all the cop shows, you know, I'd seen Beverly Hills Cop, Police Academy 1 through 6, Blue Healers. I knew what policing was, knew it all. But the reality was I had no clue what real policing was like. In policing, you don't exactly do an apprenticeship, but you have you know, a bit of a learning period at the academy, but then you have an on-the-road one-year mentor period, which is much like an apprenticeship. You get given all the dirty jobs, all your co-workers are trying to make you look stupid, much like being sent for a left-handed hammer or a box of skyhooks. That ever happened to you? No? Back in the old days, it would have. You would have got sent for some striped paint, you know, stuff like that. They all want to make you look silly. 
And there were many times when I, I doubted if I was up to the task. It's definitely not a job for the lighthearted. You see stuff that you don't ever want to see again, and you see it multiple times. You get put in some situations where you don't want to be. But I truly believe God had called me to the work. He, he equipped me to do that work. So I kept learning and I kept seeking guidance from more experienced officers. Now, I've been a copper for about 13 years. I know some stuff, but I don't know much. I still don't know it all. I'm still on a journey of, of development. It's funny, though, I'm now considered one of those old crusty coppers that other people come to for advice, but I still haven't got a clue what I'm doing half the time. I still have to seek advice, but I'm on a journey of getting better and getting more skilled and being better at what I can do. And that led me, when I was looking at all that, it kind of led me to, there's another old medieval expression to do with trades. And back in the day, they used to have journeymen. And they used this expression in America. So basically, the way it worked was you're an apprentice, and when you became qualified, you then became a journeyman. And then you're a journeyman all the way through your entire life until you get to near the very end where you become a master craftsman. You're the, then the expert. And that's what happens in the States. We call everyone tradie here. If you're a qualified plumber, carpenter, hairdresser, even hairdressers are tradies, you know, if you get all the way through, you're a tradie. But over there, and back in the old days, they used to call them journeymen. I just I like that expression because it really kind of shows the relationship the whole way through. It's a journey. You start at the beginning, you know nothing. You learn some skills. You get the ability. You become qualified. But you're still on a journey to grow, to develop, to get better, to get more skills. And eventually, at the end, when you finish learning, if you ever finish learning, you're a master craftsman. My young fellow Liam now, he's finished his apprenticeship. He's been a qualified tradie for a Two years now, so he's a journeyman. He's still, he's got skills, but he's got more to learn. He's still on that journey to becoming a master craftsman. One day he might get there, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, it's up to him. So like I said, I like it because it shows that it's a journey. It's a great expression to use. And when we look at the disciples, they, when Jesus died, their apprenticeship was finished. And they became journeymen to continue his mission, to continue to getting better, to hopefully one day be like him and be a master craftsman. Everyone learns from everybody, from someone else. When you're an apprentice, you learn from the master craftsman. If you're a, an architect, you learn from a more experienced architect. Doesn't matter what you do, doctor, lawyer, baker, everything you do in life, you learn from someone else. Even as, how do you become a parent? Have a baby, that's easy. But how do you be a good parent? You learn by watching other parents. You learn from other people. Our whole lives are spent learning from someone else. Who are we learning from? Who are we apprenticed to? Are we apprenticed to, to Jesus or are we apprenticed to the world around us? Are we looking to Jesus and the Bible as our source of knowledge, as our source of training? Or are we letting the world be our teacher? When we look back at the very beginning when I gave that definition of being bound to the master craftsman, are we bound 
to God? Have we gone on a, a journey with him? Have we been his apprentice? I want to challenge each of you today to have a think about that, to ask yourselves, what are you bound to? Are you bound to the world or are you bound to God? Very much like in the early times, there was that significant relationship. Being bound was more than just a work employment thing. It was a significant relationship. Are we in a significant relationship with God? The music today was awesome. It was all about that connection. I really loved it. And I thank you, Ben, for that. Like the disciples, even if you don't think you're capable, even if you don't think you have the skills, or you've never been a good person, or you don't think you've been a good person, or you've done some bad stuff, we all have. But we can all be an apprentice. We can all sign up to an apprenticeship with Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are in your life or where you've been, you can go and make that decision to apprentice under him. So I want to challenge you to go on that journey with him. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what's come before, I challenge you to live as his student, to make him your rabbi, to make him your master craftsman. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, just want to give my life to you again today and to say that I want to be an apprentice for you. Just, I ask that everyone here today takes that away and has a think about it. Think about where they're getting their learning from. Are they learning from God or are they learning from the world? Lord, we thank you for all the amazing blessings you've given us. We thank you that we can come to refresh and that we can be here together and to just have a chat and to share the word. We ask you now to be with us this week in your name. Amen.